Hello and welcome to the Live and Love Like Jesus podcast. My name is Andy Tier, and each week here on this podcast, we explore what it truly means to live and love like Jesus. We do this as we follow his example of being with God, being with others, and being sent. Last week, we spoke with Crossroads lead pastor Phil Heller about listening to the voice of the Holy Spirit. And this week, we're going to continue to speak on that topic of the Holy Spirit, but we'll be speaking with Crossroads growth team lead Andrew Bondurant about how the Holy Spirit transforms us, about how he reminds us of the teachings of Jesus and how he helps to guide our lives. In this episode, we're going to be digging in a little deeper on some of the concepts that Andrew touched upon in the last sermon that he shared at Crossroads. The sermon we're referencing is part of our Acts of the Holy Spirit sermon series. It's called Peter, Empowered by the Holy Spirit. You can view the message or you can listen to it as a podcast by just going to media.cccgo.com and clicking the Acts of the Holy Spirit banner and then just follow to that message. Let's listen now, though, to my interview with Crossroads Growth Team Lead, Andrew Bondurant. So, Andrew, thanks so much for being here today, man. Yeah, happy to be here. You know, since we talked last, which was actually last spring, I think, for one of the early episodes of this podcast, right? Um, You've kind of changed roles a little bit. Can you just real quickly introduce yourself and then also um, tell us what your role is here at Crossroads, too? Yep. Well, like you said, my name's Andrew. Uh, my wife and I have been in Evansville for about six years, um, been on staff in a couple different roles throughout that time. Um, we got two kids, uh, Abe, who is four, and a two-month-old Lydia, who is a monster for a two-month-old. Um, <laughs> but then, um, yeah, my current role right now is our growth team lead. Um, so I served as our family ministries department head for a while, which oversaw birth through college-age ministry stuff. And uh, this shift is uh, just including some adult stuff in that as well. So uh, trying to make sure that um, the way that we are seeking to help people grow to live and love like Jesus is actually helpful um, from everywhere from our nursery up through our adult world. And so we got a lot of great people that facilitate a whole lot of that ministry and just try to make sure that it all lines up together. Who else is on the team with you? So we got Bill Altman, who is the uh, adult director. And we've got Jeremiah Roop, who is new to our team. Uh, He serves as our youth director. We've got um, Alexa um, Rollman, who grew up here at Crossroads, Alexa Hurt, and uh, got married, just came back this summer to be our kids director. Um, We've got Allison Bond, who serves as our um, early childhood coordinator. And then uh, we've got Beth Jones, who serves as the growth team admin. We've got Sarah Kirkland, who is our youth coordinator. And then Tammy Silen, who oversees um, our MMO program, Mother's Morning Out program, and our kids club, which provides child care for things like our support groups and other activities like that. So why was it important to add um, adults into the mix of what you were doing before you think. Yeah. So I think uh, there can be a tendency sometimes to silo into your departments uh, and just have a different approach in different areas. And so one of the hopes we had was that we could be consistent from birth all the way up through adults, making sure we have the same values being lived out and how we approach discipleship, making sure we have the same values um, of like growing to live in love like Jesus being expressed in age appropriate ways across the board. So I think it may just help or we think it will help us do that and do that pretty well. So and then bigger picture, like the growth team fits into the formation right. team, right? Which yep. the head of that right now is Phil Heller, our lead pastor, yep. correct? Um, and then and then 
next to that formation team, we also have the mobilization team. So all of this is designed with the idea that it helps our church body move forward in right. living and loving like Jesus. And then a big part of what you guys have been working on over the course of the past year has been the roadmap. Yep. Now, how do you see the roadmap fitting into um, the overarching uh, strategy of your department? Yeah. So uh, whenever we think about living, loving like Jesus, and we know the way to do that is to be with God, be with others and be sent. Um, the roadmap as a whole, really the goal is to make sure those values are lived out and so there are several steps you can take there obviously to move people forward uh, as far as our department goes um, uh, Bill Altman who's on my team he's leading the alpha uh, charge here at Crossroads which I know you're part of facilitating online um, and that's a big part of being with God we think learning what God is like and so that's one way we're just trying to make sure we provide opportunities for people to grow in these different um, ways um, and then the real challenge for us as we move into 2022 is making sure that those values are um, reflected in how we engage our students and our kids. Um, so that's something we've been thinking about. Um, but like I mentioned, when I even talked about the staff that's coming on board, uh, Alexa Rollman got here in June and Jeremiah Roop got here uh, in September, I think. So uh, they haven't been here long. And so there hasn't been a whole lot of time to dream and plan those things. So we're excited as we look into 2022 to think about um, how that can be reflected in age appropriate ways. Um, another way that's reflected, Aslan Carter actually facilitates women's ministry, but it still falls under our team. And so one thing she does is she actually um, like looked at the roadmap with some of her teachers to say, hey, would this impact maybe the classes you choose to teach? And so we're trying to make sure that um, that's reflected in the different content we're presenting to our congregation. So. Cool. So there'll be alignment from right. birth all the way through adult. Then also yep. in regards to that, uh, using the roadmap as a discipleship tool to help uh, yeah. inform the teaching that takes place then and, and yep. the offerings of those. That's awesome. That's really cool. Yep. Uh, speaking of that, um, our current sermon series is called Acts of the Holy Spirit. Yeah. And you talked about being with God. And one of those pathways is uh, learning the Spirit's voice, yeah. right? <laughs> so, so it all ties together in just this really cool way. But um, you actually preached a message this past weekend on... Um, Peter yeah. and, and him being sent, which is yet another piece of the river, right? <laughs> yeah. so, so we see how integral these three parts of the roadmap are yep. to our entire life, right? Um, but as you spoke about Peter, something stood out to me. And that was one of the reasons that I really wanted to talk to you today because yeah. I, I found it fascinating. And I just had never made this connection before, that there's a similarity between Peter being sent to the home of Cornelius mm -hmm. and Jonah being sent right yeah um can you talk about that just a little bit and let's dig into that just a little bit yeah. deeper and, well, and especially we need to talk a little bit about how this applies into the lives of us the everyday believer too yeah yeah and so uh just to get really high view here and be not practical at all like there's a huge similarity i didn't even draw attention to and that's that like simon uh peter if you look at matthew 16 is called simon bar jonah which means he's simon son of jonah and so you have that piece <laughs> there uh which is an indicator again we see um, Jonah and Peter are both in the town of Joppa whenever they are called by God to go on a mission to their enemies. Um, they're both uh, kind of reluctant here. Um, Jonah actually gets the direct call. He says, hey, go preach this message to your enemies. Um, so he doesn't really get a break at all. Peter was still trying to understand what this vision meant. He just had this vision where the sheet comes down and there's all, all these different kinds of animals. And then there's this message, hey, don't call um, what God has called clean, unclean, that sort 
sort of message there, but he's still reluctant to engage with this thing, even though God's voice is saying, hey, go kill and eat. Um, and this is in Acts chapter 10. Right, in Acts chapter 10. Um, and so you have those different pieces there. Uh, if you want to look for other parallels, I don't know how significant they are, but you have uh, Jonah in the belly of the whales for three days. You have this vision come to Peter three times. Um, so there are tons of different um, parallels you can see there. Um throughout the this whole thing both of them are ultimately sent to uh kind of show god's heart for the nations which is a really big deal um but uh, like i kind of hinted at uh, whenever we were talking through acts chapter 10 uh, it required a, a conversion for peter and the same sort of thing for jonah it took some convincing for him to change the way that he thought about um others as well so those are some of the initial uh just parallels for maybe how you can see how these two stories um are related so that's awesome so um just stepping back yet another step further what prompted this in your mind as as you were studying yeah so as i started to read joppa drew my attention but then as i started opening up different commentaries to help me study it was in several of them just little mentions there and so uh, what i tried to do was not take a deep dive into their thinking but look at the stories next to each other to see okay what are those parallels between the two and it uh just kind of caught me off guard almost how much uh there was in um relation to the two of, of just being really similar stories um i've uh i've uh, led some of the charge with the being sent portion of the roadmap and some of that is that's in, been an area where god has stretched me over the last several years and so um i've loved the story of jonah um for a long time as um i remember whenever i was a senior in college i uh, was uh, preaching at this little church that had 25 or 30 people and preaching through the book of Jonah with them. And that was the first time um, Jonah's um, kind of disdain for his enemies really stood out to me. Um, the book kind of ends in this moment where he is, he sees this entire city repent and turn to God. And he is sitting over on a hill waiting for God to like roll down fiery judgment upon this city. And um, he is, just under this little plant and then all of a sudden God takes away this plant and he starts to like cry out to God, God, why don't you just take my life too? And it was like this moment then where I started to see this um, idea that like, it, it's really striking that Jonah cared a little bit more about having the shade than he did like his enemies rep um, repenting. And that was a challenge to me. What's been over 10 years ago now. Uh, and so that was something that I think was maybe rebirth today as I thought about, um, or this weekend, as I thought about preaching that message was, man, that's a message that is just continually needing to be preached in my own mind, um, to myself as I think about how I view and treat others around me. So that's awesome. So I, I'm going to, I'm going to step out of this, that for just a second. And I want to ask you, cause, um, as you're speaking and, and I can see, uh, how excited you get mm -hmm. as you're talking on these things. And, and when you speak of, studying and commentaries mm -hmm. and these things like your face kind of lights up man so um what, what's kind of like your spiritual pathway for connection with god at like that intimate level yep so a couple of different big things one is reading studying god's word the other is probably being outside so i haven't read spiritual pathways but those are two things for me mm -hmm. that are um 
things that I love um, pressing into um, and are fairly natural for me. It's not like it's a stretch for me to sit down and read and study uh, the Bible. Um, the desire to do that sometimes is something I do have to pray to the Lord, Lord, give me desire. And part of that is uh, human, uh, very, very human. And my flesh sometimes shows more than anything. And sometimes I'd rather sit down and watch the Browns roll through the 2021, 20, 2022 season going to the Super Bowl. That's a little bit of a side uh, track there, but I, I do have that tendency to get caught up with, oh, it's a Saturday. Why don't I just uh, watch football all day? Or, oh, it's Sunday afternoon. We've got a couple hours for I have to be back here. Why don't I just watch football? So um, there are those things where the desire isn't necessarily always there, but whenever I press into those pathways, it becomes pretty easy. It's kind of the uh, downstream practices for me. <laughs> it's so cool that there's just these different pathways, these different connection points kind of for us. And then um, let's, let's talk now about, let's, let's go back to these stories of, of Peter and Jonah. Mm-hmm. And, and we've talked about some of the similarities. Um, let's talk about like the kind of the divergence. Yep. Cause I feel like towards the ends of the stories, <laughs> they start to diverge, right? Yep. You've talked some about Jonah and his response to uh, the city's repentance. Yeah. Um, let, let's continue there a little bit. Yep. Yep. Well, we'll start just with Jonah in general. And you see Jonah is almost continually reluctant to uh, do anything until God saves him with this big fish that swallows him and spits him out on the shore. And then he goes, but then he's still reluctant once he gets there. He's still reluctant even after the people repent. It's like, what what preacher doesn't want like a whole city to respond with like a five-word sermon or whatever it is that Jonah has? But <laughs> for some reason, Jonah's, yeah. Yeah, Jonah's a little uh, frustrated there. Uh, the cool thing you see with Peter, and I think I would tie this back to the presence of the Spirit being in his life, is that um, he responds with willingness at every step, if that makes sense. That vision initially comes and he says, surely not Lord, I'm I'm not going to do this thing because he thinks it's a violation of what God has called him to do. Like he's not supposed to touch unclean things. And so he's grown up in this tradition where um, that's just not something you do or think about. And yet, uh, as he continue, as God continues to reveal himself. So after those three times, he he's at a moment where he's willing to be obedient, but he doesn't know what obedience is going to mean. And so uh, what you see is these men are sent um, from Cornelius. And in that moment, whenever those men come, the spirit speaks to him and says, hey, go with these men. Don't hesitate. And uh, the cool thing is that you see uh, Peter actually welcome these guys into this home where he's staying and he treats them like his own guests. And so you start to see um, some of the wall being broken down and you see that Peter is, he isn't hesitant. He's willing to be obedient um, at every step. Um, So you see that happen whenever that first um, happens when those men get there. You see him go with the men the next day. Uh, You see him whenever he comes into Cornelius's house, Cornelius falls down his feet and he's like, no, 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 no. Like, I'm not uh, worthy of that. Um, But then you see him immediately be like, hey, I don't know why I'm here. God told me to come here. Tell me what's going on. And uh, you see that the response from Cornelius is to tell him all that had happened. Cornelius tells him about this dream he had about God telling him, hey, send send for this guy. And then Jonah or not Jonah, Peter here is still pressing in to figure out, okay, Lord, what is it that you're doing? And it's like it doesn't say specifically, but it's like the Holy Spirit makes this connection for him. Oh, I forever thought that this man and his people were unclean. Now I see that I can't call anything unclean that God has called clean. And so then he just presses in and says, okay, 
apparently God is doing something here. Uh, and he does that right after Cornelius kind of recognized, hey, we're all here gathered in the presence of God. Now tell us what God would have us say. And that's when Peter um, initially has that moment of saying, I now see that God does not show partiality. God does not show favoritism. Um, you see him like preach this message about what God has done and all of this good news. And then you see that the response is that the Holy Spirit just falls upon these people while Peter's still speaking. And you see this moment of revival almost happen in Cornelius's house. Now, I think it's probably important to note that this isn't the end of the road for Peter as well. This last week I talked a lot about like yeah. this is a process of repentance for him. And you see that this continues on in Galatians chapter two. Um, Peter has this uh, moment um, where uh, there are these um, Jewish Christians who believe that you have to be circumcised to become a Christian still, even after this thing that happens in Acts chapter 10, even after, if you look at Acts chapter 15, there's this thing called the Jerusalem Council where they get together to try to solve this problem once again. But you see that several years later, um, Peter is again confronted with this. And what Peter starts to do is he starts to um, not eat with Gentiles, not eat with Gentile Christians even in this moment. You see that um, Paul is the one writing Galatians and he's talking about how Peter does this and Peter even leads Barnabas astray. There's another person who's impacted by um, Peter's choice not to go back to what God had already revealed to him. And so Paul says, hey, I, I had to confront Peter to his face. And so here you see that Peter still needed this ongoing transformation. I think that's a great reminder for us that, uh, again, like you can think back to maybe a moment when you came to know Jesus. That's not the end of the road. Uh, it's not the end of the road for me 10 years ago, whenever I first read the story of Jonah and started to see oh, wow, like there are things that I'm holding on to that I think are more important than people who don't know Jesus. Uh, it wasn't the wow. end of the road for Peter in this story. Um, and it like this last week, I was hit afresh with that 10 years later. And I think that that is something that is so important for us to see is that need to continually um, be transformed. That's something that we saw with Peter. And it's something that God is eager to do in us. And it's part of the reason I think he's given us his spirit to work in and through us. <laughs> That's awesome. Okay, so in your response, there's three things that I want to go back and then I just want to touch on each yeah. each of these a little bit as I was listening to you. Like the first is you talked about uh, Peter's response, mm -hmm. uh, that it was a very human or a natural response initially, yeah. right? And then the spirit revealed to him, you know, like like mm -hmm. through these dreams, like, hey, the, what, the way you're responding may not be perfectly aligned with God's will, right? Yeah. So um, when we had Phil on the podcast last week, we talked about how he recognizes the spirit's voice. Mm -hmm. And he said that, first of all, it aligns with God's word. Second, mm -hmm. um, it, it'll stretch him to do things outside of his human nature. Mm -hmm. and, that, and that's when he'll recognize that it's a spirit's voice. Like if it's something that he he's like, uh, that's that's hard, hard for me. Mm -hmm. At first he said sharing pie, <laughs> but, but, but you know, yeah. there's, there's more to that. But um, so uh, let's, um, let's talk a little bit about the spirit's voice in this. Uh -huh. So um, for Peter, it was, it was through a dream, mm -hmm. right? Through Cornelius, it was through a dream. Um, Phil talked about like, um, like these kind of internal promptings, mm -hmm. you know, how do you sense 
the spirit's voice. Yeah. Well, you see, even with um, Peter there in verse uh, 19, I think it was like you see this moment where after the vision, he's still thinking about the vision. And it says the spirit said to him. And we don't know what that was like, if it was an mm-hmm. audible voice, if it was an inclination that he had. Uh, for me, most often it is uh, more so like an internal inclination or even like a um, like I'm thinking, praying through something. And there's almost like a word that is established in my brain where it's like, OK, um, what what's going on here? And I think it's important for us to um, write those things down whenever we think God may be speaking. Like that's something that I try to do. And then uh, it's looking for confirmation um, of that. Sometimes that's confirmation from God's word. Again, it aligning with that, like Phil mentioned last week, like you mentioned. Um, sometimes it's people around me who will um, th- mm-hmm. see things. God will oftentimes repeat things um, to confirm his voice. Um, I think that sometimes it's important to note, like, is this in line with what we know is true about God's heart and God's mission? Um, so if it's a prompting for me to go and love someone in our community, um, the chances are that's probably the case. Um, now, there are times where uh, the motivation for that for me may be like, I want that person to think well of me. That's a time where I have to say, OK, Lord, is this actually you or is this me just wanting to make sure that they know I, I would help no matter what? Um, is this mm-hmm. pointing to you or is this pointing to me? Um, so I think it's it's something to press through. I think the repetition is a big piece for me. Sometimes it's reoccurring themes, whether it's God's word. Uh, inclinations from his spirit or other people speaking to me. Um, sometimes it is um, those those confirmation pieces in conversations with others. There are um, several different ways that that kind of gets solidified. Um, but a lot of times it's, um, yeah, it requires me to actually slow down. I think that's another big piece there. Um, I think that it's striking here that for Peter that he's not like rushing around in this moment, but he's thinking about, okay, I had this vision. I don't understand what this means. And then God reveals something to him as he's dwelling on that. So, yeah, that, um, the godly counsel piece was another thing that Phil mentioned. And then, and then you saying, uh, that repetition. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, we totally see that in this story. Yeah. <laughs> like we, we definitely see it in the, in the three times. Right. So I think it's really neat to see that. So, um, what are other ways that we see the Holy Spirit at work? Like it was fascinating in my, in my conversation with Phil last week, we talked about um, how, as we read the book of Acts, sometimes it can be easy to see the spirit in these big moments. Mm-hmm. Like we see him, you know, in the, in the, the things that were like tongues of fly, fire over the believers heads in, in Jerusalem. We, we see um, here Cornelius's family, the spirit falls and it, they, they speak in tongues, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So there's like, we, we see these big moments, but that the Holy Spirit is at work throughout the book of Acts, even yep. in those small moments. What are some of those small moments where we can see the Holy Spirit orchestrating this? Yeah. Well, one thing I would probably draw our attention to first, even as we think about Acts is I think it like most of the activity of the Spirit goes back to Acts 1-8, mm-hmm. where it's you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. So every single time we see someone open their mouth and witness to who Jesus is or what Jesus has done, according to Acts 1-8, that is evidence of the spirit at work. And so I think we see that in this story as something that's fairly foundational. Um, We see again in verse 19 there where the spirit speaks to him and says, hey, go with these men. Do not hesitate. 
I have sent them. Um, that is a way that God spoke and worked through the spirit. Uh, if you look at even Peter uh, describing um, the mission of Jesus um, and it's like verse 38 around that area, he's talking about um, the good news to Cornelius and his family. He talks about how the Holy Spirit even anointed Jesus and was on Jesus throughout his life and ministry. So we see that the spirit was at work. It's that same spirit that was in Jesus that's now at work in this moment. Um, we see the spirit again come down on Cornelius. Um, I think that this is a really big deal that we see the spirit coming on the Gentiles. And I will again point back to Acts 1.8. I really believe that this is uh, sort of like the the uh, gate, um, the, yeah, the gates being open to Acts 1.8 being fulfilled. Um, Acts chapter 2, you see the spirit come down on Jews in Jerusalem. Acts chapter 8, you see the Spirit come down upon the Samaritans, which was a major step. I'm still related to the Jews, but not quite fully Gentile. And then in this moment, you see this moment where the Spirit comes upon Gentiles. And so you see that um, movement of Acts 1-8 really being fulfilled. Some people have called those the three Pentecosts that you see in uh, the book of Acts. Acts 2 is the Jerusalem Pentecost. Acts uh, 8 is the Samaritan Pentecost. And then this is the Gentile Pentecost in Acts chapter 10. And I don't know that that's the full way to look at it. But I think it's a striking thing to see that um, the spirit um, comes upon them with these big signs in these big moments when the gateway is being opened for the gospel advancing in new ways. Um, I also loved, uh, I didn't get to hit on this because I preached a 40 minute message. And I was supposed to preach a 30 minute message. But if you look at the end of uh, that section there in chapter 11, um, you see this, this moment where um Peter is talking to the people in Jerusalem, and this is verses uh, 15 through 18, and he's talking about whenever he began to speak to these people, uh, and, and the Spirit came upon him. He says, as I began to speak, the Holy Spirit came on them as it had come on us at the beginning, talking about Acts chapter 2 when it came down. He says this, which is really striking because it shows that this is part of Jesus' bigger mission. Um, in verse 16, he says, then I remembered what the Lord had said. John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. So if God gave them the same gift, if he gave them the Holy Spirit, um, he gave to us who believed in the Lord Jesus, who was I to think I could stand in God's way? So this whole idea that this was the fulfillment of what Jesus said would happen at the beginning of his ministry, that um, he would come and baptize with the Spirit. This indwelling of the Spirit is something that's new for um, the history of God's people. The Spirit had come on people throughout the Old Testament, even throughout the Gospels. But the book of Acts, this is the moment when the Spirit starts to indwell people. And so we see this moment here where that is a new reality that is happening. And I think that it's huge to see that the Spirit does in this moment what the Spirit almost always does, which is make Jesus really, really big. Like that's what the Spirit almost always mm -hmm. does, put a magnifying glass on Jesus. We see that the Spirit in this passage brings people together. Like whenever the spirit uh, is um, something that we have in common, like that is that that transcends our cultural differences. And so that is something that is so important for us to see, I think, in this passage um, as we think through what that means for the church. That's so, wow. I, I think it was in John 14 where Jesus is, t he tells his disciples hmm. that the spirit, the helper, the comforter yeah. will come and that he will remind you of the things that I have taught you. Right. Yeah. So, wow. And so there it is happening. <laughs> yep. Right. God's will, God's word coming to fulfillment. Yep. Right. Yeah. Wow. So 
I'm, all of this is awesome. Mm-hmm. How does it apply to our lives as yep. believers in the 21st century? Yep. Well, I think the first thing that stood out to me this week was thinking about um, our instinct as people. And so uh, one thing I think that is maybe helpful for us is to think about what our instincts are towards other people um, as a starting point. And so think about whenever you encounter someone who's different than you, whether that's ethnically, politically, religiously, whatever it is, what's your instinct towards that person? Is it like, uh, well, I don't really want to talk to them. They look different. Or what is it that that looks like? We see that that was uh, a change in Peter throughout this story was that his instinct started to change. And so that was even something I talked about this weekend. We, whenever the spirit comes on us and we interact with those that aren't like us, we can show no hesitation in engaging with them because the spirit's at work in us. And so one thing I think we can do is notice those hesitations when they come and say, God, I don't think this hesitation is of you. If you've called me to this, help me even change my own desires, my own posture towards other people. Uh, I think another big way that we can maybe respond to this is stretching ourselves through hospitality. That's something we see with Peter there. I think it's in verse 23 when he welcomes these guys into the home where he's staying as his guests. And then he also then goes with them to their house. I think we can uh, think about those in our neighborhood or maybe in our workplace or wherever it may be that are different than us. How can we maybe be intentional to engage with them, to share a meal with them? Um, I think humility plays a big piece in this. I talked about that a little bit this weekend, but seeing other people as image bearers goes a long way because then you recognize that, um, hey, we've got this in common. Um, Another big thing I think we can do is to um, actually create space for us to listen to the Spirit's promptings. And so sometimes that means um, as we respond to um, reading God's word, we can think, okay, Lord, what is it you, you want from me as a response to this. Sometimes for me, that's coming out of uh, a weekend service, you know, where we're, whether it's worshiping or hearing God's word preached and then saying, okay, Lord, like, I don't think that you called me here just to enjoy music, or I didn't think you called me here just to enjoy Phil's oratory skills or whatever it may be. Like, I think you want to speak something to me. And so being sensitive in those moments um, and then committing to obey whenever the spirit prompts us. Um, So again, if you are in your neighborhood and uh, you see a neighbor who, uh, you know, may be a little bit different than you and you have this inclination, hey, I should I should go have a conversation with them. Uh, It's probably pretty safe to assume that that is either the Holy Spirit moving or it's at least in, in line with what the spirit would do. So commit to saying yes to those things. Um, to actually going yeah, when to sent. actually going and right. having those uh, pieces there. Um, and then like, I think one more piece, we can go back through whatever, any of these you want. But the last mm-hmm. thing for me that really stands out is the idea of ongoing repentance. Um, <laughs> I think we have the a tendency to get really complacent in our faith. Um, we think like, okay, I had this encounter with Jesus, maybe at, at church camp whenever I was a kid, or I've, I've had this other moment with Jesus, or I've had this moment where my eyes were open to something new. And, and at some point, sometimes we can become complacent with, with where we are and how we view others or our relationship with God. But I think God is continually drawing us closer to him. He's continually revealing um, sin struggles that we have. And that's a gift. Like that, that's something that I tried to draw out this week that I probably wanted to press into a little bit more, but seeing that like conviction that leads to repentance, that's a gift from God. Like we shouldn't feel like God is just really pressing us down whenever we feel conviction. We should be like, oh no, like he loves us enough to lead us into what he desires for us. He, he desires us to be closer to him and responding to that as if it is a gift. 
So. That's awesome. So I'm going to go through those again really yep. quickly to so make sure that everybody caught those. Because <laughs> it was uh, the first was to examine our own instinct towards other people. Yep. Uh, the second was hospitality, and that's inviting others in. I got to tell you, Andrew, like this is one that's been coming up over and over in my life huh. and has been um, a point of uh, kind of contention between me and God right now. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Because I do find myself getting in this place where it's like, man, I, I feel like I need to focus on me a little bit. Yep. But, but God has this way of going, look outward <laughs> and you need to invite other people in. Yeah. Well, so, um, and that's thing, an uncomfortable thing for yeah. me, man. One thing I think I'll say about that, like I just have, I have a two month old at home and this has been something God has been teaching me through having, uh, I have a four year old and having a, a new child introduced is the fun thing for me has been seeing how my four year old has become a new person since the baby came home. So wow. our baby Liddy came home and Abe, our four year old is more loving towards other people in general now. Like he's more nurturing. He's like more compassionate in a way that has really struck me. Like he loves his baby sister and it's changed the way he interacts with others. And that's been a stretching thing for me. And I think for hospitality, thinking about that, like sometimes we think like, oh, this means I'm really going to be like putting myself out, loving someone else. But sometimes God uses other people to awaken things in us. Mm -hmm. And I think that's maybe something to press into in this that I'm being challenged by as well is could it be that God is like revealing something new to me through this other person I'm inviting into my home? Like God's actually using that person to awaken something in me I didn't know was there. And so that's something I'm trying to remain open to as I think about hospitality. <laughs> oh, we're just seeing how that being with others is so important yeah. to our growth, to our own growth. Um, and then, okay, let's go back to our list. So, so we, we set our instinct towards other people, hospitality. The third was humility, mm -hmm. which goes right there with that hospitality piece, doesn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Um, seeing others as image bearers. Man, when I listened to your message, that stood out to me mm -hmm. so strongly. Like seeing others as bearing the image of God is, that, that's amazing. And it's all people. Yeah. Yep. That's the thing. It's, it's all people, regardless of anything that we might see as a difference. Right. It's that big similarity that we need to hang on to, right? Um, the, the fourth was uh, creating space to listen. Uh, in, the, in the story, in Peter's, dealings with Cornelius, it was when he went up on the roof to pray. Yep. Right. Yeah. When he had that vision. So it was him creating that space and then, and then that, and then that happening, right. Yep. God stepped in and filled that space. Yep. Right. Um, fifth was committing to obey or, or going when sent. Right. And the sixth was that ongoing repentance, which is the thing that we talked about earlier as, mm -hmm. as you spoke earlier, then I'm so glad that you brought it back <laughs> up that that's an ongoing piece that it's not a one and done. Yep. It's this ongoing piece and it's not a sign of failure, right? Right. <laughs> right. I, I mean, that can be something um, very convicting it is uh, as, 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 as something is brought to mind, like, mm -hmm. oh, I need to, to purge that from my life. Mm -hmm. um, you know, thinking of it as growth, mm -hmm. as, as opposed to strictly failure yep. it makes a big difference doesn't it yeah yep and uh, i've talked about this before with our students i don't know if i've done it on the weekend or not but the idea there's a big difference between conviction and condemnation like conviction motivates us to redirect and mm -hmm. condemnation kind of depresses and demoralizes us and i think that wow. sometimes it can be the same prompting and satan's trying to use that thing to drive you down and be like see 
you're no better than your mistakes. And God's trying to use that thing to say, look, I've got something better for you. Uh, if you will say yes to me, if you will actually respond to this conviction I have in your life, then you'll actually be able to experience the life I've created you to have. Um, so I think oh, that's, that's a where big that piece. hope comes in so strongly, right. doesn't it? Yep. Yeah, it just makes me almost cry as, <laughs> as I think of people I know that um, do suffer through yeah. um, some of that uh self-reflection but they but they don't have jesus yeah in their lives and I, and i do i wonder wow where where is the hope in that like mm. how is that how does that turn into growth for that person and then it and then it reminds me i need to speak jesus into their life <laughs> right. don't I? yeah yep. wow well andrew thanks so much yeah. for talking to us today thank you for having me it's been a pleasure man it's awesome thank you so much well, thanks again to Andrew for taking the time to speak with us. Some of the key things that stood out to me from that conversation were that first, we need to create space in our lives to listen to the Holy Spirit. And then the Holy Spirit will transform us by causing us to examine and, and likely even change our instincts towards other people. Andrew said the Holy Spirit will also encourage and empower us to become more hospitable and humble. The Holy Spirit transforms us also through this process of ongoing repentance, and he empowers us to obey, to go when and where we're sent. Now, I pray that this episode of the podcast plays its part in encouraging you to not just learn more about following Jesus, but to actually go and to live in love like him.